don't want anything else. We don't want to know. We're dedicated yes. to our favorite shows. Oh, my circuits. Everybody loves Hippoto. Scary dog. Dancing at Blurred Ball. Futurama. <laughs> Damn it. Good evening. It's a hell of a way to start a show. <laughs> that's a whole other thing <laughs> all right hello and welcome to a rad legend broadcasting premiere podcast tv party tonight i'm your host the mandated reporter and frankly i'm mortified mr mark radilich and tonight our favorite show is doom patrol brought to you by the good people at perlanti productions Jeremy Carver Productions, DC Entertainment, and Warner Brothers Television. Now on HBO Max is where we watched it. No longer a part of DC Universe. That's no longer a thing, or at least not for television. Joining me this evening is the disapproving dad, the essential one, Jesse Starcher. How do you do, sir? Oh, Mark Radlich. I'm very grateful to be back here talking more Doom Patrol Season 3. I can't believe we've got this far. <laughs> yeah we uh we said back in what was it i guess it was 2019 that doom patrol was like one our favorite like literally our favorite show of that season i know right when i say like our favorite show it's because i'm quoting the black flag song but like that really was our favorite show of 2019 right dude yeah it 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 it's so wacky and mm -hmm. so out there uh and we had such a love for it it but i had my reservations as to whether it would stick around because mm -hmm. it's just so off the beaten path. Like who could potentially let this continue? It's that <laughs> crazy. And it continued. Uh, yeah. And we had, a, you know, we got a season three. Have they mentioned, you know, let's cut to the chase. Have they, have you seen anything about uh, season four at all? Oh, funny. You should ask Jesse Starcher in October of 2021. The series was renewed for a fourth season. All right. You know, that's, that's <laughs> great. I mean, we get so much just thrown at us in all of these episodes. We, that is crazy. We say it all the time. The long tail of content seemingly goes on forever. There's so many. We are in an age of, an age of just niche television. If it's. Yeah. If it's got any kind of a following and it's not going to break the bank to make, they'll keep making it, you know? Um, yeah. Sometimes it's weird because, like, Netflix, I've heard, like, cancel stuff that people were watching and then no one understands why they canceled it. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, the, 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 metric, the metrics of why some streamers cancel this and some cancel that, like, I don't know if it's contractual obligations to the actors, like, they got to move on and do other stuff or... If it is budgetary reasons, like it's too expensive to make the show. I don't know. I don't know what goes into all of it, but it, but it fascinates me. And this is what makes me sort of like a television production nerd or movie production nerd is I'm into all that. Like, oh, show, show me your budgets. Yeah, mm. let me see it. Mm, let's see your budgets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see your production notes. Sexy, sexy production <laughs> notes. Anyway, so Doom Patrol season three, whether for whatever the reasons are, it, it seems to be a widely regarded show. People seem to be enjoying it. It is really one of the strangest shows I've seen, at least that is based on a comic book. Comic mm -hmm. book adaptations are so hit and miss. You know, um, we, you know, Robert Winfrey and I have talked like Lock and Key, and we've talked, and Ronnie and I talked about Why the Last Man, and there we were disappointed in how those were adapted. 
you know, obviously there's been tons and tons of Marvel and DC stuff. And some of it's, you know, been really, really well and highly regarded. Others of it, sometimes the same show from one season to the next. You just like they don't, you just lose the plot somewhere. You don't know what they're doing with these shows. Mm. Doom Patrol has been consistently like esoteric. Yep. That's its main draw for me. It's it's very different from anything else out there. Like, yeah, it's a superhero show, but it, we talked about this especially with season one. It's so meta at times without like necessarily being like purposely being meta. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they yeah. they they're not breaking the fourth wall and going here's what we're making fun of. You know. Yeah. It, it's all very much ingrained in the narrative, but that's one of the things I, I really like about it. Plus, it's incredibly well acted. Like, it's a lot of, especially like Belanti stuff. There's a lot of sort of mid tier acting, you know, mm -hmm. just ju just good enough for television and not much beyond that. But Brendan right. Fraser, Diane Guerrero are fantastic in this thing, and I and I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, April Bowlby, especially this season, and that's as good a place to start as any. April yeah. Bowlby is fantastic. Yeah, she's trying to pick up the reins uh, from, you know, Niles Calder being gone. Mm -hmm. He's he's I mean, we get him uh, one little. Well, uh, we'll say two episodes because the first mm -hmm. episode, he's a ghost. The second episode, he's just a head. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, and he has some very few interactions with the uh, with the team. Mm -hmm. And granted, there's some, you know, there's some uh, there's some important stuff that happens with him. But regardless uh, Rita, as you know, Rita has to uh, take on the role of kind of like the leader in place of right. Niles. They and are a rudderless team without Niles. And more than that, the first season was very much like, what is Niles' master plan? You know, just them, them all kind of, you're meeting the Doom Patrol, you're trying to, they're all trying to figure out what to do with themselves, with their, their strange and wonderful powers. And, you know, they come to realize Niles had been manipulating them this whole time. And that's season one for you. Season yeah. two deals so much with his daughter. A lot of that gets kind of lost in the mix. They're still harboring some resent, which toward, resentments toward the guy, but it, it's just very much revolving around Dorothy you know, and Danny the street, now an ambulance. Um, season three, because Niles is gone and shortly thereafter, so is Dorothy, the team is really left to try to figure out, well, what are we? What what do we do now? Yeah. And, and that, that how I was gonna say that's mm -hmm. that's repeated throughout the uh, a lot of what we get in the seasons mm -hmm. for specific characters and for the team as a whole. Who, what, and why? Uh you hear those questions are asked mm -hmm. in the in and throughout at least uh three or four of the episodes as to who these people are. Um, so yeah, Rita's got to kind of pick that up and figure out who are they? What, right. what are they? Um, they, they all and, do. They're all kind of having an identity crisis in this yeah. season. Right. Um, that's we're not going to go through this episode by episode. We're going to do it character by character because they all have such rich stuff going on. Like this is not a series for those of you who want to see the Batman car explode out of a fiery, you know, uh, explosion. This is not yeah. daredevil punching his way down a hallway. True. This is very much especially this season, this is very much a character piece because Absolutely. not a lot happens. No. <laughs> it's no, a talkie show. You are exploring each individual and what motivates them, what is holding them back. Right. Uh, and some of those obstacles that they have to overcome in order mm -hmm. to be better people. And that is the bulk of what this show is. Now, Rita, you know, her arc throughout this season she, uh, you know, she's trying to pick up where Niles left off. She's worried. She mentions her destiny 
Mm -hmm. uh, and she ends up finding the time machine, which we'll, we'll probably mention here in a few when we talk about uh, Michelle Gomez, uh, Laura DeMille. But she finds a time fresh, machine. Wait, fresh off the same exact character from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? I've never. <laughs> yeah. Now, see, I haven't watched it. I'm glad. Okay. So, so I assume Michelle portrayed somebody over there that was very similar. Then, yeah, right? she was Lilith, I think. She was masquerading as the school like principal or something like that. And uh, but she was really Lilith. You know, the bride of Satan, or I don't remember how it all. Well, let me let me. Uh, were, but she was the villain in Sabrina. Let me, okay. Let me ask you this, and then we'll get back to Rita. But mm -hmm. what did you think of her portrayal in Sabrina? Mich Look, Michelle Gomez, in general, might be my new favorite actress. That's what I like <laughs> she, to hear, man. She's I love amazing. To hear that. She's, Here's you know, she, she. She's not the youngest of women, and 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 I don't mean this to sound objectifying in the way that I'm going to say it, but like we tend to, I think, just as guys, but definitely on this network to one degree or another except for robert he is as pure as the driven snow and does not see sex or That's race right. or anything right. he only sees stupidity and too much of it um <laughs> <laughs> but um we you know we tend to i like this actress she's pretty there's a lot of that and and look yeah. i'll be the first one who raised my hand and say yeah that's me all over yeah. um michelle gomez is a is an is an amazing looking woman but she she's on the older side and she's such a good actress yeah she really yeah. she is a bright light in this season that is already pretty good yeah. um i don't think it's as good as the first two seasons but i do think that the addition of her and some of her line readings are hysterical oh like yeah. she says yeah. some stuff so especially towards the end when she has to team up with the doom patrol that cracked me up yeah, you know she's, she's got good delivery for sure um just just as a point of comparison, because since you asked me, she's 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 good on Sabrina. Sabrina was more melodramatic. It was definitely more nighttime soapy than this ever could be. Like yeah. this doesn't come across as a nighttime soap. This comes across as like almost like an experimental television show. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Right. This right. is not something without the age of streaming you could ever even get on even get on cable. It's it's too weird. Yeah. Um but she fits right in. And because, she, again, she's not playing so – she was very mustache twirly in Sabrina. She's yeah. not as mustache twirly in Doom Patrol. Here, she almost feels like – she almost feels like the actress just walked onto the set and there's vampire butts and, <laughs> <laughs> and all kinds of things. And she's just sort of reacting to it as Michelle Gomez going, I don't know – I don't know yeah. what I'm supposed to do with any of this. Right, right, right. She first appeared on my radar from a mm -hmm. uh, as the master. Mm -hmm. Well, Missy from Doctor Who. Okay. Uh, this was probably 2014 or 15, I think. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, when she first showed up, I, I took notice. I was like, wow, this lady can act. And she yeah. does a great job in Doctor Who as well as... Um, the mask i think i could be wrong it's been a while but i'm pretty sure i know her name's missy but i swear she's like the in the next in incarnation of the master i know all the doctor whovians out there are probably just waiting to make a comment <laughs> so but, real quick she's 55 lest anyone be like you're ages it's like no she's an older woman come on let's let's not <laughs> i mean she's she's phenomenal she's amazing she's beautiful she's also 55 get all right. the way back right um just real quick some of the stuff she's been she's definitely been in like crap tons of television um 
you know, who most recently she was on the flight attendant, which is I really need to watch this. God damn. <laughs> um, she, I'm so, stop everyone, stop bothering me with podcasts. I want to watch the flight attendant or someone <laughs> offer to talk about it with me. It's the only way I'm going to get to it. Um, so yeah, she, Sabrina, which we've now mentioned a bunch of times. She, you mentioned Doctor Who. She's yeah. what in a, something what called she Bad Edu- Oh, and Doctor and, Who, Missy. Yeah, Missy. Okay. Uh, she's in fi- 11 episodes of something called Bed Education, which is a British television show. Uh, she's in some- She was in something called Kate and Barry, Carrie and Barry, almost 20 years ago. Um, and some film credits that she's had. She's She was a voice in the Loud House movie this year. Um, doesn't do a whole lot of pictures. She's in something called The Wedding Video from 2012, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, like, it seems like she's mostly known for her television work. But uh, she really is a phenomenal actress. Right, right. And she's pit against uh, Rita Farr here, mm-hmm. uh, April Bowlby. And like I said, Rita goes, ends up stealing uh, stealing her time machine and heading back into the past, losing her memory, spending 30 years back there and running into the younger Lord DeMille. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the sisterhood uh, of Dada. That's the important. sisterhood of Dada. Yeah. Do you know what, Boy, do you know what Dada is? <clears throat> Dadaism? There's I've a really heard of it. Tell there's me. a really funny. I, I have to look it up really quick, but I just, I only bring it up because they they address that in the show, okay. like what Dadaism is, and she has a really funny line about it. You know, just like I think it's Rita who actually says it. Something along like Dadaism is you know is just an excuse to make high you know high class pornography or something like that. <laughs> I I died laughing because like I'm a, like tangentially aware of what Dada is. Um, so, so here we go down the wiki rabbit hole. Dataism is an art movement of European avant-garde. Oh, here we are in the avant-garde again, street level Star uh, Trek. Okay, okay. <laughs> in right. the early 20th century, where early centers in Zurich and with early centers in Zurich, Switzerland, at the Cabaret Voltaire, New York Dada began in 1915, and after 1920, Dada flourished in Paris. Dadaist active. Dadaist active uh, activities lasted until the mid 1920s. Okay, um, so uh, hence why there's so much dancing. In yeah, <laughs> jeez, Louise, a lot of carefree <laughs> hippy dippy dancing. Yeah, buddy, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of it. So real uh, quick, Dada was born out of the negative reaction to the horrors of the First World War. The international movement began as by a group of artists and poets associated with the Cabaret Voltaire, which is also the name of a band, uh, in Zurich. Dada okay. rejected re- Dada. Okay, here's here's what you need to know. Okay, and I and I might start to now do bits of do bits like this in our chat just to Love annoy it. people. Love it. Dada rejected reason and logic, prizing nonsense, irrationality, and intuition. The origin of the name Dada is unclear. Some believe that it is a nonsensical word. Others maintain that it originates from the Romanian artist Tristan uh, Zarzes and Marcel Janko's frequent use of the words da, 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 do, 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 da, 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 meaning yes, yes, in the Romanian language. Another theory says that the name Dada came during a meeting of the group when a paper knife stuck into a French-German dictionary happened to point to Dada, a French word for hobby horse. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I am now uh, officially Melissa. I am now a Dadaist. Okay. She's, she's like, all right. <laughs> let me know yeah. what your ne- let me know what you are next week. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so that makes a little bit more sense considering yeah. I had no idea why in the world they were first off she goes back in time to 1917 mm-hmm. it's what you were just kind of saying there yep. after the world first world war and they just like are her and the other superpowers the superpower people are just or the metas or whatever metas there you go they they're just doing this real nonsensical dancing and i'm like what is going on why okay i'm just looking at my wife like i don't know what's going on all right let's let's just go ahead and we'll go with it look what if i'm gonna get out of a machine gun real soon or i'm gonna be pissed (laughs) ah it's so weird but you know she forms this friendship and then uh we have laura the real laura you know Mm. she betrays them um, make turning them into weapons instead of actually yeah. a non-weapon. As I was gonna say, this got very like mutants real quick, like Chris Claremont yeah. X Men. Yeah, yeah, it did. There was a, there were a lot of themes of mm-hmm. uh, segregation and you know yeah. racism. You could put it that way because mm-hmm. the freaks were not allowed to sit at the same table. Um, so there was a lot of uh, references, I guess I would say, and and mm-hmm. you know you see that in some of the other characters not even not even the ones from back in uh 1917 some of the ones of doom patrol they are mm-hmm. going through some of the stuff and experiencing uh some racism or uh you know some some type of uh sexualism whatever okay I, I, right. I'm, I'm losing words right now it's too late but <laughs> but regardless uh so yeah we watch rita and then she gets betrayed by laura and the whole sisterhood and of Dada she gets betrayed she falls in love she meets her true love you know so much of Rita's <laughs> art. the bird cage in his <laughs> chest that's a heart of, as a bird that is the weirdest thing continue yeah there's a little bit of symbolism in the show just a tad maybe just a tad um but you know rita's whole thing was like she was this actress and i don't i don't totally remember how she was portrayed in season one but i don't remember her being a a great person in the first season and when she goes into the drink and she ends up inhaling the mist and becomes elastigirl you know for the longest time she is because part of it is she can't you know when she gets emotional she loses her ability to stay solid and so she um you know somebody that's that's she, some that's some uh, meta- yeah. metaphor for you right there, but well, <laughs> yeah, really. Well, she she praises she prizes her beauty above all else. I, going back to season one, and then when she gets emotional, she can't hold her form, and so her face starts sliding off, and she looks mm-hmm. like a monster, you know. Mm-hmm. And and nobody is more like upset with the way she looks than her than herself. You know? Yeah, yeah, she There's hates a lot herself. of vanity there. And so over two seasons, she was dealing with that. You know, she she was dealing with her 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 with what Niles had done to her that she didn't know at the time. She was dealing with what am I? Am I you know am I a monster? Am I a person? What do I do? I think it's like season two. She starts acting again because she was like, I, I've been here for a hundred years hiding from the world. I need to I need to go do stuff again. And then in this season, like not too long into it, she ends up quitting because she still can't get away from the you're a freak thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so she goes back in time and she meets more metas and she falls in love and she finds a place in the world. The first time she's found a place in, you know, I said a hundred, but the yeah, first time she's found a place in like 60 some odd years. Right. I think right. it might even be longer than that. And then Madame Rouge just takes it all away from her again. Yeah. And she's yeah. pissed. She spends yep. that last like arc of the season just wanting to murder this woman. And yeah. I and like you see a vicious side of Rita come out that was not there in the first two seasons when um I can't remember the character's name, the, the brain and the robot where uh, he ends up taking Cliff's body. Oh, oh, geez. I want to say his name is just the brain. 
the, the, the brain okay <laughs> the, the brain you're the no, brain. you're not wrong and i'm dopey um <laughs> yeah she takes so she unscrews the brains like a head cap um because now he's like i said he's taken over uh robot man's body and she dumps hot water on it yeah dude that was oh that was that was tough to see yeah um yeah and there was even a spot in that it's like either the third to last episode or the second to last episode where she has the opportunity to let Madame Rouge make a. Oh. <laughs> if I were a real Dadaist, I'd pull up the schedule and hit randomize. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then now for some happens. boxing alternative commentary with Alexis Haina. And here's Robert Winfrey to discuss Animaniacs. <laughs> it would be insane. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she has that opportunity to allow Madame Rouge to even get her redemption. Uh, mm -hmm. When, you know, she's the one that's supposed to go over and let the uh, cage open to let these bird things out. And she doesn't do that. She, she steps in. Uh, in front of even doing that and it's kind of mm -hmm. like she doesn't want her to redeem she wants yeah. to make this person suffer and have a reason to make him do so yeah. um so i mean yeah she rita definitely has an interesting arc this season uh to watch it you know by the end of things she's actually a pretty confident leader yeah she it, it's so funny because doom patrol ran away from like the traditional superhero team thing that's actually a big part of when we need to talk about vic and his superman 2 arc um but like that was a big part of what made Doom Patrol really special was that it kind of looked at the tropes and, you know, the tried and true framework of a superhero show and ran screaming from the room from it. Right. And right. by the end of it, that was what it, it was like. That was the dream. You know, the that was what they were trying to achieve was to somehow coalesce into a team that could do good. And, and and I accept it because for so long they were so rudderless. It was one nonsensical thing into the next, or it was trying to discover the mysteries behind what Niles Calder was doing. And it's like now with all those things sort of resolved, it's like, okay, but we have to go on living lives. What do we do with ourselves after all of this? Um, one thing I want to touch on really quickly Um so the synopsis for this season is just a couple of lines here. It says in the third season, Dorothy's battle with the candle maker reaches its climax. And the, Within Doom the Patrol... first 15 minutes of the show. Yeah. I need to talk <laughs> <Right>. about that. <laughs> and the Doom Patrol <laughs> suffers a tragic loss when the chief finally dies of old age. So let's just stop there for a second, because like I said, Doom, the, the big star of Doom Patrol was, last season was Dorothy, uh, the ape face girl. And by the end of season two, they're dealing with a candle maker they're dealing with Dorothy and the entire doom patrol is like taken out and it's right. like a cliffhanger ending. Yep. Which, <laughs> which I thought they were going to do more with and, and more with Dorothy in the third season. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I kind of wasn't looking forward to this season because I thought this was going to be yet more, more with Dorothy. Yeah. I was pleasantly wrong and pleasantly yeah. surprised. But yeah. the point being, you know how like season one of Titans just kind of ends and we were both like, this feels like they didn't finish the season. And it picks yeah. up again in the second season. And it's just the resolution of the first season. And then they're into the Deathstroke story to where you're like, why didn't they just, <laughs> why didn't <laughs> they just end the season? <laughs> yeah, like one more episode. Why didn't we get that? Why, why what's with the big tease here? Yeah, um, kidding. They did the same thing with Doom Patrol here. They yeah. resolved the Candlemaker story in like less than an episode right it was literally dorothy's just like you don't have to be evil and the candle maker's like i don't right. no 
wait a second we're gonna we're gonna have to sit here and talk yeah and hash stuff out and then next thing you know they're just like candle makers bringing her up and dropping her off and like hey see you later yeah it's it's like, like, all right she, she said it didn't have to be bad and i and i i checked and <laughs> turns out i don't so hey, here's all you know? goo. let me gather up my goo now and everyone's fine and everyone's like well, the candle maker and dorothy's like yeah i fixed it fine I, yeah, I, we had a conversation and that's so doom patrol it feels like to me like that mm. is oh, the way totally it would control. have been handled you know so wow crazy stuff but um i just wanted to ask you like did you want to see more of dorothy or were you okay with them like just getting it over with quickly and being done with i, I was perfectly fine with it i was mm -hmm. like because i there's only so much real seriousness i can take on this show before yeah. i'm like okay well you know this is kind of losing the feel of what i really came to the dance for right um and you know we got a lot of that i, I remember that final episode of the last season and going you know everybody's encased in wax and they're mm -hmm. all dead oh my gosh no mm -hmm. no you know the wax is breaking off of them and everybody's right. good to go so and how yeah, and how I'm, are they I'm gonna fight it. how are they gonna punch the candle maker and they don't right right <laughs> they don't need to they sit down and talk it out actually just two of them sit there and talk their differences out and then that's mm -hmm. took a while but hey I, so. I know people who would hate the show for that reason. They would get so mad. <laughs> like, the punchy parts, Mark. The punchy parts. The punchy parts. So I want to talk about Cliff next. Um, okay. I loved Cliff this season. And generally speaking, Robot Man kind of got on my nerves. Like, I, I enjoyed Brendan Fraser. But what they gave Brendan Fraser to do was, like, just pull down his pants and smack everyone with his genitalia. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. he's like, it was... It, Say the phrase. Say the phrase. I'm what the fuck? I'm you know, that's, trying to not get demonetized. Um, <laughs> but it, it's so funny because Brendan Fraser on this show is like the poster boy for like toxic masculinity. And, you know, and he has this great like three season arc of where he finally gets to a place of, you know, he wants to do better. You know, it, it, this isn't th no, this isn't about living forever anymore. This isn't about being an inside a robot body. He sort of accepted all of that. Now it's now look like, just like Rita. What next? What do I do with the next part of my life? And he's reconnected with his daughter by this point. He has a grandchild. He's like, I want to be I want to be grandpa. I want to be in their life. And and I'm and I'm not a grandfather. I'm still just a father. I have elementary school age kids. So do you Well, two of them. Um, but it like that really resonated with me. Like, you know, somebody wanting to be a part of their family's lives, you know, recognizing like I'm not perfect. I messed up a lot, but I want to make amends. There's even an episode called like amends patrol in this right, season, right. which I think is great. Yeah. You know, make, I, I talked about this with Falcon and Winter Soldier. I've been talking about it a lot this year, making amends and trying to be better is real big time with me. Like I, I was telling somebody earlier tonight, messing up, I can forgive. Um, being disrespectful and not, you know, and, and going out of your way to hurt people, that's, I have a problem with, but right. if you mess up and you try to do better, you make amends, I, that is imminently forgivable for me. And that is Cliff's story in the season. So there's a lot of him spending time with the daughter and her wife and the child and him just wanting to be grandpa. And I loved that about Cliff because he's such a dope about it. Like right. he's, he's yeah. so, he's so the guy who's like, I'm trying so hard, but he's two left feet and all thumbs. Yeah. Yeah. He was very, uh, is narcissistic. The word that where he was very involved with himself, even though he had a child uh, and that was like the big hurdle for him. That was probably one of my favorite episodes where everybody had subconscious patrol. Is that what or subconscious <coughs> patrol? Is that what it was yeah. called? I think. Um, so everybody had to kind of like deal that with the great the, flagellation happens. 
Uh, yeah, everybody apparently on Earth is experiencing that at the same time. Which <laughs> First of all, the great flagellation is a fantastic. <laughs> I know, <just> wonderful. <laughs> it's the great or an infinite, yes, the infinite some, flagellation, something like that. Yeah, but anyway, the um, you know, he his everybody has to kind of like face that one mm-hmm. moment in their lives where they they have to address it, uh, where they really messed up and. Mm-hmm. And Cliff's is the one where he goes into a party and leaves his kid out in the car. Yeah. And, and that is a, he's always, always remembered that, but he's Mm -hmm. just been so involved with himself that it never bothered him. And now he's getting to that point in his life where he's understanding that those kind of actions are wrong. Right. He, he needs to work to get past that, to grow as a person. And you see, cliff do that through the season uh, and he's doing that you know he's trying to be there for his daughter uh mm-hmm. but you know it, it's it, and that's it's good he's also got some physical ailments uh where he's getting parkinson's <laughs> and he decides to buy the medication <laughs> off of the internet <laughs> right clicking pop-up ads which is hilarious <laughs> which i didn't think was going to actually factor into the story mm. where he sold blueprints to his body just so he could get some money so he could make another bet on his online poker and pay for the chick that he was watching but i was like that that's not going to come back into play is it the sure, writing of this show is so sharp oh, like man. there's no waste in movement in the show everything serves a you know everything serves a greater purpose including including the butt werewolves or whatever oh called. man it's <laughs> <laughs> great um great. but yeah i just to kind of finish up on cliff you know I think the great strength of the writing is recognizing that people can want to do better and be better without, you know, but still mess up. Like Mm -hmm. you could have the best intentions, but you know, Cliff doesn't have a lot of the tools to do the right thing. He's a really messed up guy. He is. And not, not to mention the fact that he's also now a brain in a robot body, you know, in a a tin woodsman outfit. Um, (laughs) And so like the earnestness is there, but the, the tools, you know, the inherent mental and um, mental tools and, and are just not, he just doesn't have them. He's working on them. He's developing them. He's, he's put, you know, he's fashioning tools and putting them in his belt, but he, they're not there yet. And to the, to the writing's credit and to the credit of the characterization of his daughter and the wife, they are played as patient to a point. And a point that I could I could recognize is somebody running out of patience. Mm-hmm. You know, when Cliff goes a little too far, he's a little too much. You know, the idea of they have this infant child and he's got Parkinson's, maybe sort of, you know, who knows. Right. And he and he doesn't have control over his body. And he's really, really strong. And he's like, we know you love the baby, but you can't hold the baby when we don't know what you're going to We don't know if you're going to throw the baby next. There were, yeah, there were three <laughs> or four instances throughout mm-hmm. this season where I was like, he's going to drop the kid. He's going to drop this baby and it's going to be horrible. I know. <laughs> I was hoping it would never happen, but I didn't right. know uh, because he was, you know, he'd hold the baby and you'd see his hand shaking and he just, he wants to hold, he wants to be with the, you know, his grandchild but mm-hmm. he, you know, he, you don't know if he's going to actually be able to do that and it you know that's a tough thing for somebody to have to come and say, "Look, you're not. Uh, you're you not may not safe be capable around to, my kid. Yeah, you may not be capable to do what you want to do here. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, yeah, it's he. You can tell he just wants to do. He wants it's to like do better for. Brendan yeah. Fraser plays the character <laughs> this season. Like the previous seasons, he was just sort of very crude battering ram. 
know? And that's why, like him and you know him and um, Jane were always so fun together because you know they were like they were like morning shock jocks. You know, mm-hmm. they were just yeah. cursing up a storm, and they were playing off each other, and they're still cute together. But like this season, he has so much earnest. He comes across almost like a puppy dog. Like like I just want to do good, okay? But you've knocked everything over and set it on fire. Right, right. Like, but right. I didn't mean to, and I but I want to do good. And it's like I understand what you're doing, but please stop. We've got to get it under control. Yeah. Um, I tell you, Jesse, I have mentioned the writing now a few times, and I have to say, sometimes the writing could use some work, but I mm. think that writing on Doom Patrol is pretty perfect, don't you think? I agree, 100%. But maybe, just maybe, it could be even, it could be a little more perfect. Okay. And you know that what? sentence might be more... a little bit... My sen- <laughs> that sentence might have been a little bit... Needed to be a little bit more I perfect. I might need to be more perfecter. <laughs> <laughs> and the way to do that is with Grammarly. For you listeners of the Perfecter TV party tonight on the Rattleogen Broadcasting Network on W2M, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also ca- catching contextual errors. Improving your vocabulary answers and style improvements. So download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. All right, Jesse, I'm going to kick it over to you for a second. I know you've got some notes, and more specifically, it's now time for show and tell with Jesse. Let's try something new. Yeah. Uh, shall we? Okay. All right. All right. Hey, we'll get just right do... in there. Yeah. Top five uh, personal moments for me. Here we go. All right. <laughs> yep. Number one, where butts? <laughs> where butts? Oh, my How goodness. Pretty... So we have to set this up, though, because they got turned into zombies. They Okay. So yes. a couple this... of them died. They went to, yeah. they went to, I guess, across the river sticks to what limbo or or hell or something i don't something they were they were in soul processing from what i understand i don't yeah. know what that means but yes that's what the uh dead boy detectives called it if i'm right correctly. yes we had an appearance from the dead boy detectives <laughs> well, i know like old school dc fans like oh my god yeah um so half the team is dead the other half get the dead boy dead boy detectives to go get them and they all go down and while they're down there as they're running away from one of the keepers one of the death's helpers she blows she posts vomit on them. It's just vomit. It's just, you know how I've talked about like projectile leprosy? Like that was basically it. It was like she just just a stream, you know, of about a hundred yards in the air, and they all get vomited on, and they're like, Yeah. yeah. What they don't realize right. is that the vomit is going to over time turn them into zombies. Take it away, yes. Jesse. Well, yeah, it it they become zombies, and then uh as this episode continues uh, i can't remember his name but he's one of the guys from the second season who apparently got attacked oh, by a I bunch of where butts um his yeah. name is willoughby like, kipling okay he gets attacked by a bunch of butts he then steals niles like you do. yeah <laughs> he then steals niles's head uh has a confrontation in a barn the zombies versus where butts that's what yeah. we got in that episode if and, you're like uh, I just want to watch a superhero show where they fight a lot. This was the episode for you. Oh, it was great. zombies versus wear butts, and it was the most graphic, gross thing you're ever going to see. <laughs> just butts being torn in half. Oh, and oh, Eaten by the way, Eaten. yes, they started to eat the butts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. All right. Great. So I go to the next slide. Yes, please. Okay. 
Uh, as we're moving here, we're moving from, uh, yeah, my next moment has to be uh, baby uh, Laura DeMille. <laughs> who, okay, so I don't know if we've covered this at all, but Laura, can she's a shape changer, a shapeshifter. Yeah. And she, sh uh, she changes into Cliff's grandchild. Uh, Cliff goes to pick her up or pick him up, sitting there looking at the baby over. And then all of a sudden we get this, which this is, let's just say the, the CGI, maybe not the greatest, yeah, but that, that looks, that looks a little like Pinocchio. Um, oh, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not, I'm not going to sit here and say that it is award worthy in any way, but when you start <laughs> to watch them, like grab frying pans and play ping pong with a baby size, uh, Michelle Gomez. It was great. It was this fun to fun watch. Stuff. Yes. All Next right. one. Slide slide three. Here we go. All right. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so I waffled. All right. In between, what should I call this list? Like my personal top moments. Should I call it like the personal WTF? And this was definitely going on the WTF list. Okay. These. I don't even know what these are called. I just know that they are half bird like half face things that would <laughs> land on you and teleport your uh like subconscious out or something like that this this was the thing that they turned loose on the world during the infant or, or the great flagellation uh and they it again just so off you'll never where are you going to see something like that on tv <laughs> where are you going to see something like that on tv so all right next slide okay Slide number four. Slide four. Oh, oh my God, my this goodness. scene. Yeah, I, when you sent me the pictures <laughs> earlier, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. So we got to talk about, what is it? Gar like Gargwax. Gargwax. Gargwax, the great Gargwax, but, if I remember right. Um, but it's Gargwax the something or other. Oh, the Decimator. I'm sorry. Yeah, Gargwax, Gargwax the, Decimator. the Decimator. Right. And he's tasked by the brain, whatever his name was. Mm -hmm. uh, he's tasked with uh, the Brotherhood of Evil, sends him out on a mission to try and find Niles Calder, and he's just supposed to wait in this one spot until, like, Niles shows, or not Niles, I'm sorry, it's Rita. He's waiting for Rita to show up. Mm -hmm. And he, he's there for, like, years and years and years, and it's so funny because he comes in with all this big pomp and circumstance. He has this little red guy that always has to announce him <laughs> by playing a record, which is hilarious. Um, Loves... And he's so Loved like it. human about it. Like, you know, you hear a name like Gargoax the Decimator, and you know, like he's gonna be, you know, like this big crazy villain, and like he's just chilling, telling stories. <laughs> yeah, he walks just in there mingling with the pit with the people. He's the a people great love him. This big green guy comes in and sits at this lodge's restaurant, and yeah, he just starts talking to people. And then by the end of it, when Rita does show up, he's decided that he's he's done with the mission anyway. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to kill Rita because she he realizes how broken she is anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, of course, you know, his his buddy, uh, the, the guy that was kind of like sent there along with him who served him uh, was like, I, you know, the mission has to continue. And right. then we get our you know, we get our but Gargoax the Decimator. What a fun episode that was when he showed it really up. was. And, 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 and I know I've said this a few times now, but like what a great use of some. You know, somebody, William Bibiani and um, Whitney Seibold have talked about how weird comics are. Like, it's just taken for granted now that comics are like these mainstream things. You know, Iron Man, Captain America, oh. and Batman, and Superman. But you know, Jesse, you yeah. know. Yeah. If you dip into even the mainstream comics long enough, you find some wackadoodle stuff. 
Oh yeah. Like yeah, the Jack, like they're getting, they're just now dipping their toes into the Jack Kirby cosmic stuff in Marvel. But how, but I mean, like if you just, and I, and I mentioned this to Robert the other night and he made fun of me uh, about it, but like, if you ever just like find somebody at work and just start talking about something that like, you're really passionate about, and the other person has no clue what you're saying. What a lunatic you sometimes sound like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you just imagine, like, so I'm reading this thing, right? And there's the living tribunal. But then there's eternity. We all live in eternity. Like, I want to put myself in a locker. Yep. You know, yep. Saying that out loud. I want to throw myself down a flight of stairs. You just imagine, um, you know, and so you, like, you get to Doom Patrol is my point. And Doom there's... Patrol has these really, really fun and weird characters that you would never think would work at a television show, but they do because they work in this particular television show. Right. Right. And you cannot explain this to a coworker. No. Good luck. Best <laughs> of luck trying to explain. I mean, just this scene right here uh, as to how fun it was to watch Cliff and mm -hmm. Gargwax come to the, the conclusion that they did, that they both hate Niles and they both <laughs> say it at the same time. It's so great. But mm -hmm. again, you can't explain this. The three or four, the three slides prior to this, mm -hmm. go ahead and try to explain that to a coworker. Well, I was like, gonna, it's, it's not, I was gonna it's, say, it's like, possible. so everyone talks about like the Marvel shows, right? Like, oh, did you see the newest episode of Loki? Did you see the newest episode of Hawkeye? Which I have not, but I mean, I'm at you know, the kind of wall, water cooler conversations that go on episode to episode, uh, with all of these shows. Could you just imagine, like, I just watched the craziest episode of Doom Patrol last night with Gargawax, the death. Whoever you're talking to immediately walks away. <laughs> They're just like, that's good seeing you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I gotta go. <laughs> I have, I feel like something's on. Did I leave the iron on? Um, all right. All right. Well, I've already talked about my love for uh, Michelle here. Uh, and that I was, was say, like. This must have been like your favorite season of Doom Patrol just because of the time travel. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I was wondering if you thought that checked some of my boxes and I was, they, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's kind of present, but you, the good thing about this is that Doom Patrol knows we're not going to get wrapped up in the whole, yeah. uh, you know, paradox or this or that and the other, they're just going to use it as a way to further the story. And that's really all they do. They time wonder, travel all over the place. I think, you know, there's two, I think at least two instances of time travel in here, mm -hmm. uh, counting Rita and, uh, uh, my goodness, Madame Rouge. Madame Rouge. I keep I forgetting to ask you one. So in any movie where there's time travel, there's always the fake tension of, of the person going back minutes before they need to correct whatever the resolve, whatever the problem is. Mm. But they're in a, and everyone always says, why doesn't Marty go back further than that? Why not give himself more time? Why not go sure. back even further? And there's a whole thing that she does at one point where she's mad as hell and she's not going to take it anymore. She's going to get into that time travel device and she's going to go and she's going to go back and do what she needs to do to wreck everyone's lives. And then she's like, wait, why am I only going back a few minutes? Yeah. <laughs> why don't, yeah. Why don't I give myself an hour? And then she keeps and then it just keeps going, going, why don't I do this? Why? Like it totally plays with the stupidity of time travel movies and television shows in that one scene. I so good. Well, and the one thing I love about that time machine mm -hmm. is the fact that it has a like sentient robot AI program in there that mm -hmm. kind of reads their thoughts and and talks and expo exposes what they're thinking as they're <laughs> thinking it inside the time machine. Mm -hmm. And it's great. It's kind of like a narrator pretty yeah. much. But um, anyway, I, the moment that you're talking about is really actually very important mm -hmm. for Madame Rouge's character because she is just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. focused on the one event 
what is the one event that caused her to turn evil to for her to betray her friends she wants to change that mm-hmm. and the thing that she comes to is that i don't she doesn't even time travel she just right. she just goes over to the doom patrol's headquarters and she loses her memory i think anytime you use that machine whether you go in space or time it causes you to have amnesia of some sort. Which I but anyway, to ask you about what did you think about that? Like, what did you think as a narrative device, as a, as a hurdle for them to over? Because they deal with it in a really funny way. Once that that's established and it's happened a few times, the next time they use the time travel device, everyone's got name tags. Yeah, they put name tags on their heads. And oh, all of the best, she, she, she pins a note to herself. Uh, yeah. yeah. She's running around going, and she's reading the note. She's reading the description of people. She's like, oh, you must be Vic. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like, right. do you still have your powers? No, I don't. And he's like, okay, so you're useless. And right. Oh, poor Vic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I I thought it was a, a. It was a good way of using time travel and not being kind of bound by the foreknowledge of what's going to happen. Um. And I mean, it didn't bother me at all. I thought it was mm-hmm. okay. I thought it was it was a good way to add to the story. Um. But yeah. Yeah. Man, that was uh that was it was good stuff. I love seeing michelle gomez that's why i put her on there because i was so excited she mm-hmm. is even called doctor who at one point through in the season <laughs> so i just that's i loved amazing. it loved it yep all right so we need to talk we, we got about 15 to 20 minutes left if we want to end this on time but i haven't had i haven't had to say that in a while listening back to all our blog talk radio stuff i'm like we're almost at a live time we have all the live time <laughs> we need but <laughs> Both of we us do agree. have lives. We also have lifetime. Which I we have, have to... <laughs> 97 podcasts to prepare for in the next 24 hours. <laughs> right. Ridiculous. Right. Um, but I we need to talk about Vic, Jane, and Larry before we're done here. Um, I, I, let me just get to Larry. I wasn't going to do this one next, but I don't have a whole lot to say about Larry. So let's just get it out of the way now. So Larry goes to space to deal with the negative spirit. And he's kind of like, okay, I think I'm done being Larry. I think, I think it's time to go into space and let the negative spirit do its thing. It's, it's live. It's let me try to do my thing long enough. Now I need to have, let it have its life. And it promptly says, thanks for taking me to space and deposits him back on earth. And <laughs> He's got a larva, and at one point, he goes to leave the larva in the woods. You know, he's not going to take care of it anymore, and then he, he can't do it. You know, he, there's a scene with him and his son who, because, you know, Larry's like 100 years old, you know, now his son's fairly old, and yeah. the son's like, you weren't there for me, that whole thing. And so Larry is sort of taking all of these feelings that he has about the life that he wasn't allowed to live because of the negative spirit, and he's and he's sort of projecting it onto this larva. And right. proceeds for the next several episodes to carry this thing around like a baby. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> and then so I think weird. by the end of the season, he joins with the larva and he's back to having superpowers right. again. Yeah, he, I mean, it's the larva hatches, it goes into Vic. So, and then they do a little transfer at the head at, at Doom Patrol home or whatever you want to call it there, the Doom yeah. Patrol mansion. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess his main arc when you think about it is number one, he's there's, there's a lot of, uh, I, I need, I want to make this choice for myself mm-hmm. uh, in, in Larry here. He wants to be able to make these choices on his own. And really he, I think it's like that second, to last episode mm-hmm. uh, he's making a decision as to whether he wants to actually bring the spirit back that, you know, he knows this is going to be a negative spirit or whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. 
he's trying to figure out if he wants that to happen again. Um, and I don't know if there's, there's definitely parental vibes as well. Like, does mm-hmm. he want to be the dad? Cause he screwed up. It's very much you like know. Cliff, you know, everyone's kind of making up the lost time, you know, yeah. trying to move past the tragedies of what befell them because of Niles, you know, at some point they have to get past all of that and decide what kind of human beings they want to live, want to be, what kind of lives they want to live. Both Larry and, and Cliff are very much motivated by being the dads that they missed the opportunity to be previously. Right. Right. So yeah, Larry becoming lets the spirit in and, you know, we're kind of back to where we started. I don't know what else mm-hmm. is going to, cause he comes blazing out of the house at one point as uh, the spirit has finally gone into his body and given him his powers and then promptly falls onto the ground. <laughs> Michelle Gomez's reaction to to just everyone not being able to do anything is pretty damn hilarious. I know. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, his arc, it it was interesting enough to watch him. He actually kind of he got he got he got to have his son Mm -hmm. uh, realize the pain and hurt that uh, he felt not being able to be a dad at Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, So that kind of gets wrapped up and. But there's not a real, there's not a whole lot going on with him other than him just carrying around the larva and trying to figure out, well, am I going to be a dad or, or am I going to be right. whatever to this thing? Um, let's talk about Vic really quickly. So Vic has a really interesting arc because, especially because like Cyborg is one of those classic DC mainstream characters. You know, he yeah. has his own book there for a little while, and he's a part of the Justice League and the Teen Titans, and he's so powerful. And he goes through like the Superman two thing of. I, you know, I want to be your, he, it's very similar to Larry, where he doesn't feel like he's had any choice in what's happened to him. Right. You know, he's, he, for, for three seasons now, he's resented his father and his father's like, I turned you into a superhero, quit your bitching and you were going to die. Let's not forget that. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and important, I think important. Vic's whole thing is like, there could have been another way. There were other, there were other ways to preserve me and save me from the accident than turning me into what you turned me into. And I, you know, and and it deals a lot with the idea of thematically of like consent, you know, someone thinking they know what's best for you, but shouldn't you have your right to your, you know, to your own self-determination? There's a lot of that going on in this show, especially with the, with the cyborg. And he makes the decision that he's going to get rid of his cyborg parts. Right. Yeah. He's going to choice. Yeah. uh, I mean, he is no longer going to be the one thing that everyone knows him for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he is known as cyborg to everybody, but of course Vic wants to be just known as Vic. He just right. wants to be a person who has lived their life as the man that they want to be. And right. he's, you know, so he, he inherited the mantle of cyborg by virtue of having all of this equipment attached to him. And, you know, and he sort of dove headlong into the superhero role. That's been his arc from season one. You know, like when we meet him in season one, he's like, I, I'm the great cyborg. I'm part of the Justice League, yada, yada, yada. And mm. it's like he kind of has this moment of reflection. I think that comes out of the self-flagellation, the self-flagellation, the great flagellation, where he's like, wait a minute, I didn't choose any of this. Mm-hmm. There's a woman I love and a life I wanted to live. And I got all that taken away from me. And I got very much caught in, caught up into what it is my father wanted me to be. Right. But what do I want? What does Vic want? And what he wants is to live a normal life. He wants to have love and, you know, and he wants to 
be his own person separate from like in a lot of ways, even though Vic is an adult, he's having kind of like this like teenage separation from your parents moment. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's one of the trauma. Like he stopped aging when this happened. Right. And he's just been like, and I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off, but I just want to finish. No, you're all right, man. Like he's very much like still a 15 year old, 16 year old kid. Yeah. And he's been 15, 16 year old this entire time he's been cyborg. And then finally he has this moment of, but I, but I don't want to be this anymore. I want to be my, I want to be an adult. I want to be separate yeah. from my parents. Like he's going through that very natural thing that every teenager goes through where you rebel against your parents, you know, and you want to separate and be your own person and find your own identity. And you're trying on different hats and you're putting mascara on and tight pants and you know, whatever it is you do. <laughs> you remember your That's mascara? what I did. I was gonna say, remember <laughs> mascara in, part in the Rust Belt of Ohio, your mascara and tight pants phase. Oh boy, I'll never forget. Town? <laughs> yeah, <Anyway. yeah>. um, <laughs> but no, like we all we all go through our like rebellious putting on different hats phase, and that's yeah. and he kind of got robbed of his. Right, he's having right. it now at like nya, however old he is. Yeah, he and I mean he wants definitely the separation from the parent uh, issue that you're talking about there. That is clearly what I mean, he's trying to just, he wants to be his own man. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you, you could see like, even in some of the scenes that he's in where he's just kind of like hi- hiking on his own mm-hmm. and he's trying to kind of go on walkabout. He's trying mm-hmm. to find himself. He's trying to, and he feels that all this machinery, this choice that his dad made defined him. Uh, and yeah. he he wants to be able to define who he is, which is very interesting considering, you know, this is a by the end of the season, we have a team of superheroes and the one probably the most powerful superhero on this team is not a superhero anymore. I mean, yes, he Michelle is, Gomez points out numerous times. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, what use are you? The uh, funniest thing was like they need to find I think they need to find Cliff or somebody. Somebody right, has gone missing Cliff. and they need to find somebody. And you know, and he goes grid, and he doesn't have that anymore. He's like, <laughs> "I'll go get my laptop." Right, and he, like, just runs off. <laughs> right, right. But he's still. Um, even Rita's like, even Rita cuts him down. She's like, "Well, you're useless now." And he's like, "No, I'm still part of the team. I can do stuff." He walks into the room, and she's like, "What on earth happened to you?" <laughs> my he's God, like, that is a heartbreaking scene because everybody's in the room. Like, I have had a, I've had an epiphany. I've had a change. Things have happened. Things, good things are happening. And Rita's just looking around, going, "Useless, useless, yeah. useless." Like you're all, yeah. Like you, the you one time I needed you to be waves off in the plan. <laughs> the one time I needed you to be freaks with superpowers, and you're all norms now. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cannot so win. Cannot win. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, Vic is going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him next season, then, because These, the know. writing is so good on this show, like I've said. But I do wonder, like, how do you? My one kind of—it's not a quibble; it's more of anxiety about this show—is they've written themselves into a corner with Vic. They can't undo what they did. Right. I mean, if you they know. do, it's going to be. But here's the thing: what are they going to do? Have a swordsman chop them into pieces again? You have. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, they mm-hmm. could. They could, uh, he'd be like, oh, I, oh, you know, next season, you know, after the first 15 minutes of the episode, he shows mm-hmm. up at, back at the mansion with all the cyborg parts. And he's just like, oh, I, I went back in and got him put back on. <laughs> it's just like, okay, well, off we go into season four. Knowing, what... knowing this show, you're going to hear shoot to thrill in the background. And he's going to land in an Iron Man suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
I am cyborg. I, I assume that, I mean, obviously, when it comes to a production standpoint, mm-hmm. special effects, makeup, and stuff like that, yeah. don't have to worry about that anymore. And by the well, way, he tell him kind of junky on that show. Tell him to keep his shirt on because I had to hold my wife back. All right? <laughs> I didn't need, I didn't abs. need the abs. I didn't need the muscles. <laughs> I didn't need to see all that. All right? <laughs> yeah, he, he is. Look. I'm not gonna quite get I'm not gonna get as excited as I got on the war games review about Imperium. Made my daughter all kinds of nervous. She she was listening to that in the car. We went to go get our passport the other day, and she hears me going on and on and on about how muscular the Imperium guys looked on that NXT war game show, and she's like, I am concerned. (laughs) Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Yeah. Anyway, um, so lastly, let's talk about Jane. Jane has a really great story this season about, you know, her whole thing was that Kay was this like abused, traumatized child and Kay disassociated and created all these different personalities. But what makes the character fun in a, you know, in a comic book character way is that all the personalities have superpowers and the Jane personality is the primary. It's the one running the show. It's the one that goes to get the personality they need to solve the problem or whatever. You know, they need the one that does, you know, like flit to do teleporting. She calls upon it and whatever. And internally, you have Kay, very similar to to Vic, um, you know, who's had this stunted, arrested development and has not been allowed to age because of all of this, which is a very real thing. Like the Jane's character really resonates with me also because of because what's going on there, what they're speaking to is trauma. Um, this character has created these personalities to cope with her trauma. And it in very, in many ways, especially when it happens to you as a child, it can really stunt your emotional growth mm-hmm. as a person. Psychologically, you know, mm-hmm. you can remain the uh, in and around the age that you were traumatized at for years on end. And you grow up and because you still have like the mind of a child, you make terrible decisions in your life and things right. just kind of spiral out of control. So like Jane's development psychologically really, um, really draws me into the show. She's the, she, she, if I'm playing with my phone, cause I'm kind of like tuned out of whatever's happening with Larry, when Jane comes back on again, not to mention she, you know, played by the very, very attractive Diane Guerrero, who is phenomenal on this show. Like you didn't, no one would know how great she was based on like Orange is the New Black. And I've said this before, she needs to win all the awards for Doom Patrol. She's so yeah, good. Go, go back and listen to our first two seasons. Mm-hmm. You will hear us. We still are singing the praises of this lady because yeah. she has to put on, uh, she wasn't doing it as much this season. That's right. for sure. But, you know, when she was acting each one of her personalities out before, mm-hmm. Wow just just flat out amazing she she has such great emotional range you know and and she's and i I said it before with cliff like she's also like she's very protective of k this season and it was the first time i've ever seen them really do this because she was so full of rage in the first season and i don't i barely remember like what was going on with her in the second season but a lot of it still i remember her dealing with her own like internal psychology and sort of world building of what the underground was and all of that this season, she's kind of normalized, and she spends a lot of it just looking out for Kay. And one of the villains of the show is the psychologist uh, personality. Personality, that's, yeah. That's trying to take over and control the other personalities and wants to be primary, but is also trying to like subsume Kay. And all Kay wants to do 
in all of this, like Kate became a real character this season. Like she wants yeah. to grow up. Like right. one of my favorite bits of the season is when Kay finally gets to take over as the personality and she's off riding her bike. But my God, Diane Guerrero captured such pure joy in that scene. It's really phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, she did. Uh, I will say that uh, similar to Vic and Larry, there is the, uh, I, wanna, I don't want to say the opposite, but mm -hmm. she has the arc of making a choice for herself or mm -hmm. have it. She's not really having a choice taken away from her. She's actually making the decision to give up something. Right. In this, she well, gives if K up. Ever, if K ever like truly heals, all the personalities die. Oh, wait, she doesn't need them anymore. They're, right. they're essentially coping mechanisms. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She realizes the mistake. Uh, well, I say the mistake, but I mean, mm -hmm. when she lets K go to the forefront, K is out, you know, K is taken over for quite a while. Uh, mm -hmm. And then while Jane is back down on the underground, she can't find anybody. All the personalities are gone. And mm -hmm. she's trying to figure out what is, you know, what the problem is. And what what she's doing is she's giving Kay her life back. Um, and she has to, of course, that if that happens, I imagine Jane goes away as well. Um, but we find out later on that things are, uh, the person, the personalities start to come back, um, and uh, the psychologist makes her play to become, or the psychiatrist or whatever, to become the primary. But anyway, um, you know, she she deals with mostly just trying to take a step back and let Kay <clears throat> actually take over the forefront of mm -hmm. who Kay is. And yeah, just uh, it's interesting because again, as K comes out. Does she have a power? Because I don't even know no, if she has a, a normal power. Kid. She's just a normal she, person. That's that that is the person that was traumatized. Right. So she comes out there and she is, you know, she that's she she now is one of the useless members of the Doom Patrol. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so funny. Like by the well, I mean, Vic doesn't have any powers. Um, Robot Man is still Robot Man. Did they? Did they I forget by the end of this, did, did he still have the giant toy robot body or did, that, that Laura built for him um, when she was trying to, when she was trying to get, get away from the brain. Yes. Or... Yeah. Because at the, at okay. the very end, the, the final scene is mm -hmm. him holding the time machine and them jumping into the ground and him yelling oh, right. doom force. And it's the right. whole, yeah, they're going to go okay. kick, they're going to go kick the nutsack in the balls. Yes. I have to, I have to actually <laughs> share that really quick. So they use the time machine to travel to the Suez Canal where a testicle-like monster is wreaking havoc under the name Doom Force, which everyone likes except, except everyone except hey, well, no, Yeah, it's going to say. No way. A testicle monster, because we didn't get enough of that this season. Oh, more, great. More genitalia monsters, please. <laughs> All right, Jesse. Oh, so fun. Did we do it? Did hey, we cover it? We did. Well, you know, I got to give a shout out to Monsignor Mala. All mm -hmm. right, the ape. A companion yeah. to the brain <laughs> yes. where he, all he wants to do is just like he's done with being an e part of the evil brotherhood mm. but you know the brotherhood of evil excuse me mm. and, and i love it when uh when madame rouge shows up and he doesn't want anything to mm -hmm. go back into doing the evil so every time somebody's like trying to talk to him he's like in there running the blender and he's not listening <laughs> to anybody and he's this big ape who mm -hmm. is just not evil in any regard. Uh, I loved, I loved that character, but that's it. That now we're done. Now I'm okay. done. 
I have my last thing is speaking of that character, the brain when he gets when he gets Cliff's body, and he doesn't do anything with it he except just, enjoy life. He's dancing. He's, he's like, playing uh, golf. Yeah, he goes to a retirement community and he's like hitting these old ladies on the butt and everything. And you're like, oh my gosh! Just then he gets joy in having a body. He's <laughs> and everyone except what that's the other thing. Like, you know, it's not like like Cliff's the Terminator or anything. Like he's very clearly this weird looking robot thing, right? Which, by the way, and I have to say this, and I know it's come up in, in across all three seasons multiple times, but I do love the fact that Vic is, you know, was this high tech, you know, futuristic cyborg robot guy. In that same universe with the same technology, we can't get Cliff's brain into a better body. He's still Tin Woodsman Cliff. It's gotta be, you gotta know people. Apparently, he doesn't know anybody. I need to. And know Miles it. is dead, so. Christian's never going to listen to this, but I need to know: like, does Robot Man ever like evolve at all? Does he? Uh, does he ever get a? He ever a real boy again? Do we ever do anything? Or is he always Robot Man? Wow, that's a good question. We'll have to read some Doom Patrol. You never know; it might come up next season. Maybe you'll have to put it on the schedule. Oh, the source material comic schedule. That's the oh, one. Boy. The very same. Oh boy. All right, Jesse. So, you know, it's getting to be that time of the year where uh, we do our Metal Hammer of Doom Christmas show. That's right. That's coming up very soon. And you know what we're going to do on the Metal Hammer of Doom Christmas show, don't you? Tell me. A very poppy Christmas. Uh, the Church Christmas. of Poppy con convenes. Yes. We're going to end the show much as we began it and end the year much as we began it with the Church of Poppy. Amen. And uh, we're going to play her Christmas EP and then a bunch of our other singles and EPs from earlier in the year and years past. We'll, we'll, we'll make a playlist out of it. It'll be a lot of fun. There'll be time. There'll be uh, time for time for cheer. Joyous cheer, Jesse Starcher. That's right. Christmas that is cheer. right. And you it. know where you can find Poppy's music? Oh, tell me. Tell me, please. If you don't know about Poppy and you'd like to experience it, but you don't have because you spent all your money on Christmas presents for your loved ones and you don't have an extra dime to buy yourself a poppy record, you can click the link in our description of this podcast, get amazonmusic.com slash W2M network for a free 30 day trial of the Amazon music unlimited service. Yes. Stream all the poppy you want for 30 days. Stream it twice. Stream it for your loved ones. As you tr open presents on Christmas Day, Jesse Starcher, wouldn't you like to hear a very poppy Christmas? I think I think I would, as a matter of fact. My my family would love it. I, even my, you know, my extended family, my in-laws, people mm -hmm. like that, bring them over. We're going to listen to Poppy sing some Christmas hits. That's right. You can play for them all the Christmas hits, like Dominic the Italian Christmas Donkey. You can play for them uh christmas uh, uh homo for christmas from the punk christmas album if you like you can i've been, I've been exposed to that <laughs> yes you have um italian <laughs> jingle bells by lou monte all right. the christmas classics Fantastic. um and it's all there for you on get on amazon music uh get amazon music.com slash w2m network for a free 30-day trial and if you like it you keep it you pay the monthly fee if you don't you cancel it no fuss no must no contracts no pains in the butt jesse it's easy as pie christmas pie christmas pie cranberry sauce. christmas pie what do you put in a christmas pie i, that, <laughs> I know I mean, what i put in a cranberry sauce i've talked about that on the metal <laughs> hammer review before well if i knew it was gonna be that kind of a party i would get demonetized <laughs> indeed <laughs> all right jesse that's it that is our doom patrol 
uh, season three review. I am overloaded tomorrow. He's got a schedule, folks. <laughs> tomorrow, Pat and I are going to bang out chapter six uh, of the Four Kings of Boxing podcast. We're going to talk about Sugar Ray Leonard versus Thomas the Hitman Hearns one from 1981, the showdown at the palace. And then, assuming I almost don't want to talk about it because it might not happen, but he so far agreed to do it. Whitney Seibold, professional critic, uh, also one half of the critically acclaimed guys that I talk about so much here, is going to come on a triple feature, and we're going to talk Wolf, Lamb, and Pig, Jesse. Yes, I put that wow. out into the universe, and somebody, believe... <laughs> and somebody believe actually agreed to do this Barnyard collection wow. of indie wow. films. That's great. Um, I cannot wait to hear this episode. I can't wait to do it if it actually happens. Um, you always get nervous. Like I've got a guest lined up, and I'm just waiting for him to cancel. I've yeah. been on that. I've been on that end, Mark Radlich. Trust me. I know. And you you've interviewed some quite some luminaries in your time. I have. You know, it's like I won't relax though until it actually happens. Uh, Saturday, know. we've got um, our Vasily Lomachenko versus Richard Comey alternative commentary. This past week, we reviewed War Games, Cowboy Bebop. We did a triple feature for King Richard, The, Guilt, uh, the Guilty, and Night Teeth. Um, and we kicked off the week with Javante uh, Davis, Tank Davis versus Isaac Cruz. Alternative commentary. Goddamn, pal. Sounded like you went to Three Stooges land there for a second. Maybe that's Popeye. My bad. And then this week coming up is Spider-Man week. We kick things off with everyone loves a bad guy, Spider-Man's rogues gallery. And then it's our review from way back when the very, very first damn you Hollywood post me and Jeff. This is, this is the very first time Robert Winfrey moderated a debate between myself and Pat Mullen over the amazing Spider-Man two. And then Pat went away and I kept Robert uh, chained in a basement to do more <laughs> movie reviews. And I haven't let him out since. Um, <laughs> Then Jesse took over the whole week. Get ready. Get ready. Four-part four Spider-Man, four. Spider-Verse source material. Oh, my God, Jesse. Yeah, buddy. Get ready. Benjamin J. Cologne comes back to the Source Material Comics podcast. Part one is just going to be kind of a an intro, okay? you you got to know your characters. you got to know some of the foundation, the, the building blocks of Spider-Verse, and that's what that first part's going to do. It's about, I think, 15 minutes long, if I remember correctly. But then you get into the meat of things. Part two, part three, part four are Benjamin and myself covering six, all six issues of the of Spider-Verse that came out, and I think it was 2014. So a lot of great discussion. If you want to, you know, you want a little companion piece to what you're going to get in regards to the movie i mean this might help at least you'll know what kind of happened in the comics to, you know and, and maybe there might be some stuff that informed what we get in the movie there you never know but hey it was a great time i had a fun time a lot of work went into that i think it was all together was a total of like four hours so we split it up nice digestible chunks so it'll be fun, man. Spider-Verse, Source Material Comics Podcast. Hey, I'll go ahead and throw out Unspoken Issues dropped today on Super Patriot number one. Chris Armstrong and myself, we had a poll pop up on this uh, the um, Unspoken Issues Facebook page, and they all voted in a four-way cyborg showdown 
Super Patriot came out on top by a big margin. Beat out Hank Henshaw. Beat out Deathlock, of all people. Mm. I mean, it was it was crazy, man. So there you go. Check that out. Super Patriot is on the network right now. And I think the only other thing I would probably promote is uh you know then then we will we'll be doing promoting for this as we go through the month but tripped up trivia is going to be happening at the end of the month we're getting ready to record that it's christmas time we're gonna have some christmas trivia so keep an eye out for that um i missed the long road to ruin that i'm doing with ben cologne and uh sean comer Ooh, yeah we be, we're gonna do it's a special probably one of the last long road ruins we ever do for or at least for a while um it's we're doing something special for spider-man we're comparing and contrasting a very tight conversation i'm not letting this go hours and hours and hours i can't because i have something else to do after that but we're going to compare all edit it post edit no problem i don't have that kind of time um we're going to do all we're going to compare all three of the spider-man movie franchises we're going to compare the Raimi's to the amazing spider-man twos with andrew garfield to the tom holland ones hearing up for no way home yeah yeah, um, I told him beforehand, I'm going to have just kind of a, a handful of questions, you know, two, three, you're just sort of, so that we, you know, just we can have a general conversation because this isn't going to be a movie review as such. We are going to just sort of say, hey, who wore it better? You know, did the Raimi Spider-Man do it better in this way? Did the Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland ones, which one did it? Who wore it best? Who wore Spider-Man? That sounds best? good. Sounds good yeah. to me. So and Ben Cullen just loves Spider-Man to pieces. So yeah, I think does. it'll be a very fun conversation. Um, and then... What do you call it? Uh, and then, yep, the 17th is when Spider-Man actually comes out. And the Spider-Man stuff doesn't stop there because these are all re these are all aired shows, but they never made it to the to the W2M site. So, hey, Ronnie Adams, why is Spider-Man awesome? Or why Spider-Man is awesome? That'll be re-aired on Friday, December 17th. As I think no I was part of that. Out. Man, that was forever ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, here's something else that you were on. Spider-Man number 17 from 1991. Uh, Spider-Man dies in that episode and Thanos shows up. That's it's, right. Uh, it's a really good, uh, specifically requested by Dean Compton of the Unspoken Decade. And I covered it and it was, uh, it was a good, uh, good episode. And remember when I was trying to shoehorn synergy into everything? Well, that brings us to the ultimate Spider-Man Legacy Volume 4. Are you not still doing that with the schedule you're just reading off right now? <laughs> Everything is Spider-Man. <laughs> Everything is Spider-Man. Yeah, Go it's ahead, all the Spider-Man all the time. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's our uh, that's our plugs. Hey, if you get a chance to listen to this, uh, you're, you're currently listening to it. Duh. Um, wherever you're listening to it, please go over to W2M Net on YouTube and subscribe. That's all I ask. Um, that's not all I ask. Because the other thing I ask is that you go is that if you listen to right. us on Apple Music, give us a star rating and a brief review. Tell us what you think. Um, we finally got. I had to. T I had to do it myself. But we got rid of the one guy that said, "What the heck?" From like what before we were a part of this. But hey, if you if you like us and you listen to us, like while you're waiting in line for coffee at Starbucks, just a quick like. I like these guys. They're fun, you know. Or you know, I like That's I'm right. a Dada is too. Whatever. I don't care. Just <laughs> give us a star rating um and a little bit of a review on apple music and please subscribe on youtube the more subscribers we have the closer we get to the goal of getting on rotten yeah. tomatoes and then i can go into the universe and live with the negative spirit maybe we <laughs> get can... that doom that doom saloon up to a thousand it's 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 getting yeah there. yep do we it we appreciate folks. all do the it. people who check that out 
who thought they were getting the full concert and instead just getting me <laughs> dancing in my chair. <laughs> Look at that alternative commentary. What? Oh, what does Neil Fallon have to say about his own? Show? Oh, that's not Neil Fallon. That's not Neil Fallon. Who's that, that guy? Is, why, All right, Jesse, why? are we good? I'm good, man. Let's rock and roll. Get out of here. All right, thank you for joining us here on TV Party tonight in our review of Doom Patrol Season 3. For the disapproving dad, the essential Jesse Starcher, I'm Mark Radledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.